Chapter 3. Critiques of Development by Arturo Escobar from the Department of Anthropology, the University of North Carolina. It is impossible to provide a single definition of development. For many, development is the ineluctable strategy by which poor countries need to modernize. For others, it is an imperial imposition by the rich capitalist countries on the poor ones, and as such it should be opposed. For yet others, it's a discourse invented by the West for the cultural domination of non-Western societies that needs to be denounced as such, beyond its economic effects. For many common people the world over, finally, development has become either a reflection of their aspirations to a dignified life, or an utterly destructive process with which they have to coexist, and not infrequently both at the same time. Taken as a whole, it could be said that development is a recent historical process that involves social, economic, political and cultural aspects. The concept of development didn't exist in its current connotation until the late 1940s, when economic development became associated with the process to pave the way for the replication in, quote, underdeveloped areas of the conditions characterizing industrialized nations, broadly agricultural technification, urbanization, industrialization, and the adoption of modern values. The genesis of the concept can be traced back to the late colonial period in some contexts, as in the British Colonial Development Act of 1929, and some community development schemes in southern Africa in the 1930s, as an explicit and often planned process for the eradication of poverty. However, the concept of development was a product of the great realignments that took place at the end of the Second World War, and the creation of the vast institutional apparatus that included the Bretton Woods institutions and planning agencies in most third world capitals. Development and the, quote, third world, unquote, were thus the product of the same historical conjuncture, with development as the strategy par excellence to bring about the modernization of the so-called third world. The resurgence of the classical concern with capital accumulation in the late 1940s, with the growth economics of Harrod and Domar relating growth to savings and investment through the so-called capital output ratio was another important pillar of the process by which development became firmly established and associated with growth ever since. For a handful of philosophers such as Vatimo or Dussel, development and progress are pivotal stages, uh, pivotal aspects of modernity, whether in the form of inevitable privilege, according to, quote, the new, or the quote-unquote developmentist fallacy that asserts that all countries have to travel the same historical stages, if necessary, by force. Over the past six decades, the conceptualization of development in the social sciences has seen three main moments, corresponding to three contrasting theoretical orientations. Modernization theory in the 1950s and 1960s, with its allied theories of growth, Marxist-inspired dependency theory and related perspectives in the 1960s and 1970s, and critiques of development as a cultural discourse in the 1990s and 2000s. Modernization theory inaugurated a period of certainty in the minds of many theorists and world elites, premised on the beneficial effects of capital, science, and technology. This certainty suffered a first blow with dependency theory, which argued that the roots of under, underdevelopment were to be found in the connection between external dependence of poor countries on the rich ones, and internal exploitation of the poor by the rich within countries, not in any alleged lack of capital, technology, or modern values. For dependency theorists, the problem was not so much with development as with capitalism, 
and they thus advocated for socialist forms of development, while maintaining the assumption of growth intact. Starting in the 1980s, a growing number of cultural critics in many parts of the world questioned the very idea of development. They analyzed development as a discourse of Western origin that operated as a powerful mechanism for the cultural, social, and economic production of the third world. These three moments may be classified according to the root paradigms from which they emerged, liberal, Marxist, and post-structuralist theories respectively. It's fair to say that despite overlaps and eclectic combinations, some version of the modernization paradigm continues to inform most positions at present. This is the case of the overarching framework of neoliberal globalization, with its continued core assumptions of growth, progress, modern values, and rational policy action, even if, of course, the market has become more central than in previous development decades. Marxist and culturalist perspectives have by no means disappeared. This is clearly the case in Latin America, where debates on 21st century socialism for the Marxist-inspired perspectives and Buen Vivir for the culturally-oriented perspectives pose veritable challenges to liberal and neoliberal frameworks. While the post-structuralist analyses were less known than the Marxist critiques, it's important to highlight them here, given that they entailed a radical questioning of the core cultural assumptions of development, including growth, and as such were important in early degrowth theories in Italy and France. These critiques came of age with the publication in 1992 of a collective volume edited by Wolfgang Sachs, The Development Dictionary. The book started by making the startling and controversial claim, quote, The last 40 years can be called the age of development. This epoch is coming to an end. The time is ripe to write its obituary, unquote. If development was dead, what would come after? Some started to talk about a post-development era in response to this question, and a second collective work, The Post-Development Reader, launched the project of giving content to this notion. Some degrowth theorists, notably Latouche, contributed to disseminate this perspective in the North. Reactions on all sides of the scholarly political spectrum have continued since, resulting in a vibrant, albeit at times somewhat acrimonious, debate, bringing together practitioners and academics from many disciplines and fields. Post-development was generally meant as an era in which development would no longer be the central organizing principle of social life. In this way, it's related to two other emerging imaginaries, that of post-capitalism, questioning capitalism's ability to fully and naturally occupy the economy with the concomitant visualization of an array of diverse economic practices, and post- or degrowth, decentering growth from the definition of both the economy and social life. There's a certain geographical unevenness, however, in how these frameworks are seen and cultivated in the global north versus the global south. Whereas in the global north, the scholarly and political debate on degrowth is receiving increasing attention, in the global south, this is not yet the case. On the one hand, some argue that at least some sectors need to grow, for example, health, education, even livelihoods. On the other hand, critical debates in the, th in the south are more directly concerned with redefining development. To this extent, there's been a significant reactivation of the debate over development, particularly in Latin America over the past five years. The current mood is to, quote, search for alternatives in a deeper sense, that is, aiming to break away from the cultural and ideological basis of development, bringing forth other imaginaries, goals, and practices, unquote. Whereas the wave of progressive regimes in Latin America over the past decade created a context conducive to these debates, the main impetus behind them have been social movements, Two key areas of debate and activism are the notions of buen vivir, collective well-being, and the rights of nature. 
This debate parallels discussions on change of civilization model and transitions to post-extractivist models. It seems a good moment to build more explicit bridges between degrowth and transition narratives in the North and alternatives to development, civilizational change, and transitions to post-extractivism in the South. In building these bridges, however, it's important to resist falling into the trap of thinking that while the North needs to degrow, the South needs development. There's an important synergy to be gained from discussing, discussing degrowth and alternatives to development in tandem while respecting their geopolitical and epistemic specificities. Worldwide, economic globalization has taken on a tremendous force, especially in Asia, seemingly re relegating critical debates over development to the back burner. These debates are also carefully domesticated within the discourses of the Millennium Development Goals. And, after 2015, when the MDGs expire, the Sustainable Development Goals. However, global movements and the deepening of poverty and environmental destruction continue to keep critical conversations alive, connecting development debates to questions of epistemic decolonization, social and environmental justice, the defense of cultural difference, and transition to post-capitalist and post-growth frameworks. For most of these movements, it's clear that conventional development of the kind offered by neoliberalism is not an option. In this context, the return of the alternatives to development discussions in Latin America is a beacon of hope. At the very least, it's becoming clear that if another world is possible, to appeal to the slogan of the World Social Forum, then alternatives to development should also be possible. At least for many social movements and transition advocates, whatever form development or alternatives to development take will have to involve more radical questionings of growth, extractivism, and even modernity than ever before.